How's that? Are we good? Okay, praise the Lord. We don't have these things in Afghanistan. Salam, Bashimo. Salam, salam, salam. Our Jewish brothers will say shalom, shalom, God's peace to you. Our Afghan brothers and sisters say salam. And most Muslims around the Middle East or Central Asia, uh, they would say salam alaikum. And you would say wa alaikum as-salam. So God's blessing to all of you. Thank you so much for letting me be here uh, this morning. Uh, I'm going to get a few things uh, ready here, if you don't mind. I, I carry my little red bag. When I first went to Afghanistan, uh, as a young single guy, most everything I owned I could put in one little bag. And now I'm blessed with a wonderful wife and five children. And uh, we even own a house in Owasso, which I'll tell you more about that in a moment. I'm uh, just going to get some things together here. Uh, for those of you who might remember, in 1969... Uh, as the Spirit of God was stirring in Brother Bill Sanders, I was actually stirring in my mother's womb in Washington, D.C. So that tells you a little bit about my youthfulness or my age. Or, and, um, so I think I have everything ready here. Um, this is a great honor to be here this morning. If you just take a moment and just, wow, you just look around and what a legacy, what a testimony uh, here uh, at TCF, and I count this a great honor and privilege to stand before you uh, this morning. Uh, thank you to the elder team for inviting me and letting me have this, uh, this uh, oppor- opportunity. Um, I wish we had uh, all day to uh, share. Uh, those of you who would like to hear more, you could come back uh, tonight with the youth group or even come uh, on Wednesday night. Um, we often get asked uh, questions like, why missions? And uh, please don't be offended by this, uh, TCF, but why a missions weekend? Or at least you guys have a missions week. You know, why a missions week? Uh, why a missions Sunday? Why a missions sermon? Why a missions emphasis? We get asked that question uh, all the time. Uh, we also get asked the question, why Muslims? Why work among Muslims? They hate us. They want to kill us. Why work among Muslims? Why we get asked a lot specifically, why, why Afghanistan? Why go to a place where there's 30 million Muslims? Uh, why go to Afghanistan? Well, the joke is, sorry my wife and children are not here. Appreciate your prayers for my family. Uh, we just had our fifth baby recently, and, and uh, they've been passing around some of the germs that we picked up now that we're living in the United States. So I appreciate prayer for my wife and, and, our, and our children. Uh, but we get asked all the time, why Afghanistan? Why not Australia or Argentina or, or maybe even Alaska? Uh, well, I often joke with people and say, well, the main reason why, you know, I went to Afghanistan was to meet my wife uh, and to get married there. Uh, well, no, there's more to the story uh, than, than that. But we get asked these questions all the time. Why missions? Why Muslims? Why uh, Afghanistan? And I know many of you... Uh, probably have things that come to your mind. And so I, I like to make this interactive. I'm not going to use a PowerPoint this morning. We're going to do the PowerPoint together. So I'm first going to ask this section. What comes to your mind when you think of missions? Why missions? What comes to your mind? Friendship? Reaching others? Okay. Saving souls? Great commission? Good stuff. What do you guys think of when you think of missions? 
great commandment. God's glory among the nations. Anyone in this section? What, you, what about missions? No one has the right to hear the gospel twice until everyone has heard it once. No one has the right to hear the gospel twice unless they hear it once, and that's in the book of Hezekiah, right? <laughs> Your section. Why missions? Why missions? The Lord commands it. The Lord commands it. Why, well, why Muslims? And let me just ask this question. Let's be, we can be real here. Uh, pardon me? Why not Muslims? That's beautiful. That's what we say too. Why not Afghanistan? Why not Muslims? Why not missions? Let's be honest for a minute. Uh, I know we're all honest, uh, but I say that to say that if you do think of something that's not the most positive image, that's okay. Uh, when you think of Muslims, when you think of Islam, what comes to your mind? Yes, sir. Danger and death. Danger and death. Anyone in this section? Bondage. Bondage. Deception. Deception. Cutthroats. Darkness. Darkness. Faithful but deceived. Yeah, almost like what Paul said about the Israel people that they have righteousness, but it's not God's righteousness. They're faithful and they're very zealous. And he said, my heart's prayer and desire is that they, Israel, would be, would be saved. Anything else comes to mind when you think about Islam or Muslims? You think about your friends you know. How many of you have a Muslim friend, either in the United States or in some other country? Amen. You think about friends that you know. Uh, maybe you think about the Quran. The Quran is the book that the Muslims read. Maybe you think about the prophet Muhammad. He's the, the prophet that they, that they follow. Anything else that comes to your mind when you think about... Uh, anybody watch the news lately? Well, don't encourage you to watch the news so much unless you're going to be able to have the grace and faith... Uh, envision to pray afterwards because not a whole lot good it's showing uh, uh, right now. Uh, but we realize there's a lot of conflict nations. Most of them are Muslim nations. We realize there's a huge refugee crisis in our world. Most of them uh, are in uh, Muslim nations. So some of us think of, of these things. So why missions? Why Muslims? Why Afghanistan. Well, I, I said Afghanistan for us was personal because I met my wife there. Uh, but there are 30 million Muslims in Afghanistan. There's not one Christian church. Now, I know you guys are mature enough in your faith. And I know that on one hand, you're grateful for these facilities that you've had here uh, for many years. But I know all of you know that we are the church. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. Whenever two or three gather together, the Lord is there. Amen. But we're thankful for the privilege we have, especially in the United States, to gather freely and openly in a place like this. It's dedicated for the worship of followers of Jesus. Uh, however, in Afghanistan, there's not one Christian church building in the whole country. And that's kind of hard for us to get our head around that. Afghanistan's the size of Texas. Actually, it's larger in population than Texas, but land-wise, it's about the size of Texas. It's quite a big country. There's over 30 million Muslims that live there. And can you imagine, 2016, and there is still a country that has over 30 million people, land size larger than Texas, and there's not one Christian church in that country. Why missions? Why Muslims? 
Why Afghanistan? Now, I don't have time to tell you all the other reasons or answers or images that come to our mind, but I'll at least tell you one now. One is Islam not only presents the greatest challenge to the church in our time of history, church history, as God's spirit is moving and drawing people to Jesus, it also creates the greatest opportunity for the church to be salt and to be light and to share the gospel with those who have never heard. Maybe you've heard this statement, and it's very, very true, and I will share a little bit more about it tonight with the young people. And on Wednesday night, I'll show a little video from our family and from our wedding and share some more stories. The statement is this. Every day, Muslims are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't like to make promises, even though in a minute we'll read some of God's promises. God's faithful to keep his promises. All his promises are yes and amen. Amen. I don't like to make promises because I'm not that faithful. But uh, I, I promise you today, somewhere in the world, there will be a Muslim who will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amazing things are happening throughout the Muslim world. Miracles, dreams, visions. God in his great mercy using his servants as they share the gospel and service salt and light among Muslim nations. It is amazing what God is doing throughout the Muslim world. I think Brother Joel mentioned that I have the privilege now to serve with uh, Voice of the Martyrs, VOM. As he mentioned, everything that's on the two tables over there uh, is free. And uh, we just uh, want to remind you, if you do not get VOM's newsletter, uh, it comes out every month. Uh, it's full of great stories and pictures and would encourage you to get that great Items are fuel for prayer. But I realize a church with your great mission focus, you guys don't need a whole lot to add to it. You guys have, uh, again, amazing legacy of seeing so many laborers raised up uh, from this church uh, in, and sent out. However, I would encourage you to take something from the table. Be blessed. Uh, be encouraged. Uh, if you're not familiar with, uh, I really only want to promote the Lord's book, but... Uh, <laughs> but I at least want to make mention to one called Miraculous Movements. Uh, if you're not familiar of testimonies and stories of how Muslims literally every day are coming to Christ and how movements are happening in Muslim lands, I uh, would recommend, recommend Jerry Trousdale's book, Miraculous uh, Movements. Miraculous Movements by Jerry Trousdale. Uh, I think it was mentioned that uh, I had the privilege of writing a book after 9-11. I was in Afghanistan on 9-11. Ironically, my wife-to-be, Jean, was living in New York City and was involved in a Muslim ministry at Times Square Church. And God began speaking to her and saying, I want you to go back to the place of your birth. Strange as it sounds, my wife was born in Afghanistan. Her parents worked there in the 1970s. They were diplomat government workers with the U.S. Embassy, and they were stationed in Kabul, and she was actually She was actually born there. And after 9-11, the Lord began speaking to her to go back to the place of her birth. And uh, sorry to cry. I have to be honest with you. We really wish we were there even today. And uh, uh, I don't know if I'll have enough time to tell you all the reasons that we're not. But we do hope to go back uh, in, the Lord's, in the Lord's time. Um, 
The Lord sent her there in 2002. We met there in 2004, and we got married, as it was already mentioned. But because I was in, in Afghanistan on 9-11, I had my five minutes of fame. I really only went there to make the Lord's name fame. Uh, but because of ABC and CNN, all the things that were happening around 9-11, I was on TV quite a bit and interviewed quite a bit and therefore was asked to write a book called Inside Afghanistan. And then some years later, I put this book together, A Flame on the Front Line, uh, in hopes to uh, introduce the fact that I'm married. Uh, and, and we hope that this year we'll be able to uh, publish the book that's about our wedding. Uh, and it's really primarily for security reasons that we haven't already done that. And hopefully you would understand what I mean uh, by that. What were our questions? Why missions? Why Muslims? And why Afghanistan? I'd like to tell you a story. And then through this story, we'll get into God's story, and hopefully we'll all be encouraged and inspired to continue on this mission, finishing this task that the Lord has given to us as his church. Amen? In the year 2000, in the year 2000, I lived in the northern part of Afghanistan. If any of you have been to the Middle East or Central Asian uh, lands, you know that most of the houses over there have flat roofs. And there's a lot of practical reasons based on the way their lifestyle is as to why they have uh, flat uh, roofs. And where we lived at that particular time, we lived in a four-room mud house, uh, at least for at least a few hundred miles. That all, most of the time I was the only American, not only the only American, the only foreigner that was there. Ironically, as you'll hear from him on Friday and Sunday, Mustafa lived just across the border in Tajikistan. He was my roommate there when I would travel back and forth uh, to Tajikistan, which is where the Shelter for Life base was at that particular uh, time. And in the year 2000, I found uh, myself uh, living in Afghanistan, almost like a dream come true, knowing that's where God in his sovereignty had stationed me, had planted me, had positioned me. And often I would go up onto our flat roof to try to find some time just to reflect and to pray but often when I would go up there, because of where we lived, there were a few mountains around us, but it was more of a flat area. I could see for miles from the top of my flat roof. The Taliban were in sight. I lived very close to the front line. Uh, we as a Christian organization had the privilege of serving the families that were displaced. Some of them were displaced because of earthquakes and the drought and other things that were happening in the country. But primarily they were displaced because the Taliban would go into their village and do things that we don't want to talk about. Uh, and they would burn the thatch roofs, and then they would drive everyone out of the uh, village. And so literally there were thousands of families that were displaced, kind of like refugees in their own country. And we had the unique opportunity to serve those, those families, to be salt and to be light and to do the things that Jesus said. Jesus said, if someone's thirsty, you. If someone's naked, you. If they need shelter, you, you provide shelter. And we were doing those, uh, those compassion uh, ministries. Uh, I already knew some Uzbek because I lived in Uzbekistan before that. I already knew some Tajik because I lived in Tajikistan before that. And I already knew a little bit of Dari, which was one of the languages that was spoken in the north uh, because I had been learning that as well. So I was given opportunities all the time not only to serve the people but to share uh, God's love with them. So I'm on the roof. I'm on the roof. It's evening time. When I was in Afghanistan, it was very hard to find 
a place to be alone. Uh, you know, Jesus did say sometimes it's best to go uh, into a quiet place, you know, be alone and to pray, yeah? And so uh, in Afghanistan, there's no concept of that. Uh, there's no individual space. There's no individual time. And so there only really were two ways I ever could find any time to be alone by myself uh, with the Lord. One was, and sorry, I can't do it now because this cord's wrapped here. Maybe I can. Uh, so often I would put this down in the floor of this mud house where I lived with 17 Afghans, surrounded by thousands of families that was displaced. And I would, I would get my little green Bible in their language, which was off the shelf, and I would come down like this. And I would do one of two things. I either would bow down like this and pray whatever language I wanted to pray in, and guess what? They wouldn't bother me. And do you know why my friends would not bother me? Because what does this communicate? This communicates worship. This communicates prayer. This communicates communion with God. Forgive my French, all of hell could have broke loose, and it was breaking loose all around us, and they would not have come and uh, bothered me. Uh, Before I had a back injury, I learned from my Sufi Muslims, they would sit like this, especially when they would read the scriptures. Usually Muslims don't bow and read scriptures, they just bow and pray. When they read the scriptures, they're reading it like this. And so sometimes I would put my little uh, shawl down, whatever you want to call it, uh, they're small as they call it in Farsi, and I would just sit and do like this, and I would read the Word of God in whatever language I wanted to read it in, and often no one would bother me. Uh, now, what that did was create a huge curiosity in my Muslim friends, uh, not only as to why and how I would pray, but in also in this uh, green book. And we've given out hundreds of copies of that uh, just from that simple example that I just gave you. The other place I could find some time, I, I would love to go on prayer walks in Afghanistan, but within minutes, I'd have people all around me uh, because you don't walk alone in Afghanistan uh, because you're afraid of demons and you just there's no individuality. And so I'd have people all around me when I would uh, walk. And, of course, I would still do that. But anyway, I'm up on the roof because I could go up there. Sometimes I would sneak up there at night and, uh, and, and, and pray. And, and often I wouldn't bow there. I would just stand and kind of walk on the roof and, uh, and, 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 and pray. And one evening I was on the roof, and if there is a title to this message, you'll find it in this little part of the story here. I was overwhelmed with the problems that were around me. I was overwhelmed with the problems that were around me. I was overwhelmed with this conflict. I was overwhelmed with the pain. I was overwhelmed with this crisis. I was overwhelmed with all the things that I could see smell, taste, and feel that were around me. And just to be very real with you, on that particular day, it was very hard to pray. And it was as if the Spirit of God said, look up. And so I looked up. And for just a moment, I was overwhelmed with what I saw and the one who made it as I looked up and saw countless stars. And it was as if in a moment, in an instant, everything I knew about God's character and about his his faithfulness and his promises, they kind of just all went rushing through me. And it was a very transformational 
experience for me. Now, what went rushing through me? Even at the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and told Adam and Eve to, you know what the first commandment was? Jesus told, God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, the be fruitful part, mankind's been kind of faithful to, but to fill the earth, uh, not so much. Uh, but I was reminded of the fact that, wow, if Adam and Eve would have been fruitful and multiplied and their generations would have been fruitful and multiplied and filled the earth and they would have filled the earth with people who love God and fear him, then the earth would be filled with God's glory as the waters cover the seas. Other things kept going through my mind. When Noah, what did God tell Noah? Build an ark. You need some interaction here now. We've got to keep you awake. And we, we're not going to lie on PowerPoints to keep you awake, okay? Uh, let's get a little interaction here. So God told Noah had never rained, and God told Noah to build a boat. Not only had they never seen boats, they never seen rain. And so now Noah's building a boat. And who gets on the boat? His family and the animals two by two. When they get off the boat, what does God tell Noah? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, before we have any further revelation, uh, we can remind ourselves that from the very beginning, our God has been a missionary God. His heart has been for the earth to be filled with people who love him and worship him. Amen? Now, we realize that Noah and his family didn't quite fulfill that promise, and the generations after them didn't quite fulfill that promise. And in, in fact, they almost decided to do the exact opposite. Please don't lose me here. They almost decided to do the exact opposite. In Genesis chapter 11, if you know your Bible, hopefully you do. Hopefully you've read it. Hopefully you've studied it. Hopefully I'm just reminding you and allowing God's Spirit to stir us and stir up our remembrance, yeah? So hopefully you know that in Genesis chapter 11, instead of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth with people who love God and worship God, they had gathered together, and they said, we will build a tower up to God, and we'll be like our own God. You, you with me? Now, and God, in an act of mercy, and it was, even though it was a form of judgment, it was an act of mercy, God does the miracle of languages. He touches their tongues, and they all start speaking different languages. Hopefully you know the story, right? They all start speaking different languages, and now they're speaking Hebrew. And they're speaking Arabic, and they're speaking Amharic, and they're speaking Chinese, and they're speaking Yedizis, and they're speaking Farsi, and they're speaking this, and they're speaking this. And so in this act of the miracles of languages, if you will, God lovingly forces the people to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth because now they're scattered. They're being scattered because... If you speak Arabic and I don't speak Arabic, guess what? I'm not going to hang around with you. And you're going to go off to your own little place. And so if we had time, we don't. We could bring some Hebrew scholars in here. And you could study Genesis chapter 10 and Genesis chapter 11 and find out there were at least 70 different language groups, ethnic groups, people groups that God birthed out of the Tower of Babel. Now, if we had time, we don't. We could bring a Wycliffe missionary here and remind you there are over 7,000 languages spoken today that came from 
those 70 languages that God birthed into existence at the Tower of Babel. If we had time, we don't. We could remind you that over half of those languages still don't have the Word of God translated into their language. And so there's a lot of work left for us to do as the, the church, the body of Christ here on planet Earth. Now, hopefully you know the story. In Genesis chapter 12, here's how the story goes, right? It's as if God's scratching his head. No. It's as if God's scratching his head and thinking, how in the world now am I going to reach all these different people groups? Now I've told them, uh, I've been telling them to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That's what I wanted them to do. Uh, They didn't do it. Now I've confused all their languages, and now there's about 70 different languages, and now they have been forced to scatter out and to fill the earth. And God's thinking, how am I going to reveal myself to them? Well, hopefully you know that God chose a man named Abram and later changed his name to Abraham or Ibrahim, as they would say in that part of uh, the world. And when God called Abraham, as he's calling us today, he said, Abram, leave your... Very good. And go to the place I will show you. So he's the father of faith. He responds in obedience to God giving him a step of faith. And then he says, I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And you will be a blessing. And then later he says, in fact, you will be a blessing to all the peoples, families, nations, tribes, ethnic groups of the earth. Now, maybe he literally met the 70 that just came into existence, the Tower of Babel, but obviously, prophetically, he met that Christ would come and be a blessing to all the nations, tribes, and tongues. He also would have met that brothers and sisters that gather here at TCF in any other place where his body gathers would also be his channel of blessing to the peoples, the nations, the tribes of the earth. Amen? Now, do you believe today that you're blessed? Amen. Can you say that with me? I am blessed. Let's say it again. I am blessed. Let's say it together because really we're a body. There's really, even in the, even, don't shoot me down here, but uh, I, I think that our Eastern friends get it a little bit, they're, they're a little bit more on track uh, than we are here in our individualized country where it's all about my Jesus and my relationship with Jesus and my sinner's prayer and my this and my gifts or my whatever this and but really, we're a church. Amen? So let's say, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Now, why are we blessed? Amen. Let's say that. We are blessed to be a blessing. 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 And if we had time, we don't. We could go all throughout Scripture and see how God repeats this promise to his son Isaac where literally he has the, 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 the dust or the sand of the seashore, and he has the, the image of the stars in the sky, and he says, your descendants will be like that, that no one can number. Repeats the same promise to Jacob. Thus we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All throughout the Old Testament, you find this promise being fulfilled through God's people who were willing to live in that covenant promise. What was the covenant promise? I will bless you and you will be a blessing. God reveals his purpose to us as his people through his promise. His promise is to bless us, 
and to make us a blessing. Unfortunately, Israel missed it, and at times they thought the blessing was for them. They thought the covenant was for them and no one else, and they missed God's greater purpose for them to be his, cho- his source of blessing to all the peoples of the earth. Amen? So I'm on the roof, and I'm overwhelmed now with God's presence. I'm overwhelmed with his promise to bless all the families of the earth. And then I was overwhelmed again with a unique purpose that God had called our team and others like us at that particular time in that particular land for such a time as that to be his source or channel of blessing to the nations, the peoples of the earth. And I know that many of you don't need to be reminded, uh, but I want to remind you that you are extremely blessed, blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen? Blessed with a great legacy. And God wants to continue to allow TCF and all of you individually, yet collectively, to be a great source and channel of His blessings to the nations of the earth. Amen? Now, we don't have time to get in the New Testament. Uh, so what I'd like you to do is turn to Psalm 67. And while you're turning to Psalm 67, I'll just remind you of a few things. Hopefully you know that when Jesus was introduced, he was introduced as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Even though at time, truth being known, most of those who were Pharisees and Israelites, they would have rather said, Behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of Israel. And deliver us from Roman domination. Uh, But yet Jesus was introduced as the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the whole world. Later when he's talking to Nicodemus. He says for God so loved the world. If you have time to look at Jesus' ministry. You'd be surprised to see that a lot of it. Is not only with the children of Israel. He's doing some amazing ministry among the nations. Or among the Gentiles. As he was there in the Galilee of the nations, even though he probably only traveled 70 miles from his home. It was amazing the impact Jesus had on the nations, right where he was at, uh, living there in Israel or Jerusalem or Galilee of the nations. I don't have time to remind you because it's the mission of your own church here. Uh, Twice Jesus telling his disciples to pray the Lord of the harvest that they would send forth laborers into the Harvest, And he, if you look at the original language there in the original context, he wasn't talking about sending laborers where there is already harvesting going on. He looked over a group of people and he said they are like sheep that have no shepherd. They are lost and they are in darkness. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. So I just want to remind you again to keep the nations Uh, And maybe you should have a missions year, not just a missions Sunday or a missions week. Amen. (laughs) Now, I don't have time to remind you that it's as if Jesus comes to the end of his ministry. Not only has he died and been resurrected, but he's about to go back to heaven. And it's as if he says, oh, yeah, by the way, guys, by the way, guys, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, hey, by the way, guys, uh, I have all the authority in heaven and earth. They kind of had figured that out by then, even though there were a few that doubted. They kind of had figured that out by then. 
but it's like, oh, by the way, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the, the age. Now, some would say Acts 1.8, that dialogue in Acts chapter 1 was some of the last words that Jesus actually said before he was taken back up into heaven. And he said, please wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses, not only here in Jerusalem where you're at, but in all Judea and all Samaria and all over the earth or to the uttermost parts of the earth or to the ends of the earth, as we just sang before. But sometimes, unfortunately, many of our brothers and sisters today think, oh, wow, that was just some afterthought that Jesus had. Well, as we backtrack in a minute to Psalm 67, let me remind you of another thing that's very, very interesting in those last moments of Jesus' life. After he's resurrected, he's walking along a road, and he begins telling some of his disciples, or at least those who are interested in him, about how, don't you know that it was written in the prophets? Don't you know it was written in the scriptures? At that time, what scriptures would it have been? It would have been the, the Jewish scrolls. It would have been the Old Testament scrolls. Don't you know that it was written that the Messiah must suffer and must rise from the dead? And that repentance and forgiveness of sins must be preached here in Jerusalem, to the, all the nations. To all the nations. That's in Luke chapter 24. Some of you thought I was quoting Matthew chapter 24, and that's good. So we'll mention that one. They asked Jesus, tell us about how all this is going to wrap up. And he says a few things. The most interesting thing, in my opinion, as he, sa he says, is that those that endure to the end shall be saved. I think there's a practical lesson there that the end of whatever your life and season is. Yes, he might be talking about the end of the world, uh, but it could be that the end of whatever season we're in. Paul said, I have finished the race. I, I've run my race. I've ended my, 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 my journey and my, my course. Even in John 17, Jesus said, I have finished the work that the Father has called me uh, to do. But he says, those that endure to the end shall be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, I don't want to get theological. That's not the purpose of this. But I think that for the present day church, there is a principle there we don't want to forget, that God's heart from the very beginning has been to fill the earth with his glory. Yes, the heavens declare the glory of God. Yes, but he wants this earth to be filled with his knowledge the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. That can only happen when people from every tribe, every nation, every people group respond to the gospel and come into relationship with Christ, are touched by His Spirit, and therefore respond in worship to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? That's His heart. That's His plan. That's His purpose. And you find it all in Psalms 67. You're there? Psalm 67? Now, if you can, will you stand with me? If you can't, that's fine. But if you can stand, will you stand with me? Psalm 67.
regardless of what translation you have, will you read verse 1? Ready? God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause your face to shine upon us. Stop right there. Now, what does that sound like? It sounds like what the Jewish people said to each other literally every day. It sounds like things that we say to one another as well, and we should say those every day. The Lord be merciful to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. To me, it's very interesting that the first word is actually God's mercy uh, because of his covenant mercy. Now, can we read verse 2 together? So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. So why does God bless his people? To be a blessing. Specifically, according to verse 2, what is the heart of God in having a covenant relationship with us as his people? Why does he daily load us with blessings? Why can we say your mercies are new every morning? Why can we say the Lord bless you and keep you? Why can we say that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing? Verse 2, so that his ways may be known on earth and that his salvation may be known to all the nations. God wants his ways to be known in my house and your house. God wants his ways to be known throughout Tulsa. God wants his ways to be known throughout the United States. God wants his ways to be known throughout planet earth. God wants his salvation to spread to all the nations. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, what's verse 3 say? What's the result of all this? Sorry, I didn't get a chance to quote that one because I, I don't have my, 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 my Bible in front of me right now. Now, listen, brothers and sisters. I realize there are Muslims every day who are coming to faith without the pages of Scripture that you're holding in front of you. But can I just remind you of the privilege that we have to have the Word of God in our own language. Here is the New Testament in Farsi or Dari that we speak in Afghanistan. Here's the New Testament in Pashto. We just recently, there is the whole Bible in Dari, but there is not even yet the whole Bible in the language of Pashto yet. We continue to pray for the Lord to raise up labors uh, for that ministry of uh, Bible uh, translation. You may be seated. Thank you so much. So God blesses us to make us a blessing so that his ways may be known on earth, that his salvation may spread to all the nations, because ultimately Jesus is worthy of worship. Missions is all about worship. Life is all about worship. Service is all about worship. The glory of God is all about worship. God's heart and his passion is that the bride of Christ from every tribe, nation, kindred, and tongue would be presented to his son, that his son might receive the reward of his sufferings, which is the obedience, the praise, the worship of all the nations on planet Earth. Amen? Now, I know on your website you guys have that map. It's not actually highlighting the 1040 window, but it's actually, I think it's on there, the world's map. And just want to remind you, now, again, you know, I'd like to be invited back. I'm just, you know, I'm just a visiting speaker here. Uh, um, but just hear my heart here, okay? This is not let's say it to the Lord. Just hear my heart here, okay? It is still very true today that a lot of churches spend a lot of 
prayer and energy and finances and resources and even sending their own laborers to places where the people go and they're building upon someone else's foundation. I'm not saying that that's against the Lord. I just, every time I get the opportunity to speak in a church in the United States, just want to remind that congregation of believers related to what Brother Joel said earlier. Why should people have the, res- the privilege, or really a right, the privilege to hear the gospel more than once when there are still some people who are waiting to hear it the first time? And if we had time, we would talk about unreached people groups. If we had time, we'd talk about how you adopt an unreached people group. If we had time, we'd talk about how congregations are focusing their attention, their prayers, their resources, their labors to at least give first priority to those who have never heard the gospel. And quite frankly, unless God does miracles, and he does and he is doing miracles, even though primarily we are the ambassadors of Christ that he's called and sent forth to the nations in those particular places of the earth, Unless someone, what does the Bible say? How can they call on him whom they've never heard? How can they hear in him whom they've never believed? How can they believe unless someone is sent? There are still places on planet earth where people have never, ever heard the gospel. They've never, ever heard the good news. They've never, ever heard about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again for them. And there's some truth to this statement that unless God does a miracle, they're not going to ever hear unless someone like us goes and tells them. So therefore, I would encourage you to uh, consider in the future. I know many of you that represent uh, missions work around the world, you are working with unreached people, uh, but would encourage uh, that cry from our hearts that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers to those who have never heard and that we could find ways Uh, to specifically target uh, those. Uh, They estimate that with every Christian church that's known in the United States, just the United States, not talking about the world, if just a hundred congregations were to come together, we could, within days, adopt every people group and have plans in place to engage those people groups with the gospel and with a Christian witness. If we expanded it to the whole world, just the number of congregations that are known in the world. There are 4,000 congregations for every one unreached people group. God forgive us if we don't finish the task. I personally believe, I don't mean this prophetically, but I personally believe this. This is, this is gripped. I don't know who said this first. I'm not saying I said this first, but this statement grips me. The greatest tragedy of this church generation today would be if we, the disciples of Jesus Christ, do not complete the task of discipling the nations of the earth. With all the resources, all the technology, all that's available to the body of Christ at large, all the movements that are happening in the Middle East, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of believers in China that are praying for 100,000 new missionaries to be sent out. If for some reason... The believers, us, who are alive on planet earth today, if we are not able, by the Spirit of God who has anointed us, if we are not able to complete the task that Jesus gave us, I personally believe that would be the greatest tragedy of all human history. But it's doable. Amen? It can be done. 
Now, let me remind us as we close. Remember, I was on the rooftop, and I looked up. I saw the stars that no one could number. So what ultimately was I reminded of? Where the Apostle John says, I saw a number that no man could number. From every tribe, every nation, every people, and every tongue. It was as almost in a fresh way I could hear the sound. You are worthy, O Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy to open. Because you were slain. And by your blood, we have been redeemed out of every tribe, every nation, every kindred, and every tongue. And I came down off the roof with a renewed sense of my purpose as I was overwhelmed in God's presence and overwhelmed with his promises. And my prayer for you today, regardless of how long you have journeyed or how short your journey has already been in the faith, I pray that God, not only today, but in the days to come, in the weeks to come, in the months to come, in the years to come, would daily overwhelm you with his presence more and more. That sense of expectancy that Brother Jim talked about last week, if you were here. I don't want to talk about what Brother Bill talked about the week before that, about the reality of hell. But may that even motivate us as well. Brother Gordon talked about the warfare uh, that we're in. But, but my prayer for you personally as your brother today is that God would more and more overwhelm you with his presence and his promise to fill the earth with his glory as the waters cover the sea. His promise to make us his church a source of blessing to all the nations of the earth. The promise that one day there will be disciples who have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are obeying everything that Jesus has commanded them, that we will see that happen among every tribe, every nation, every people group. I pray that God would overwhelm you with that promise of his, and that in that and because of that, you would find a fresh sense of purpose as God still has us here on planet earth and related to the word expectancy if you've never memorized this particular verse in second peter chapter three i think most of us know uh, the part where it says the lord's not slack concerning his promise not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance most of us know that if you keep going in the passage it talks about how uh, that we should be looking which is the word expectancy but it's actually two words lumped together, which says that in our expectancy, we are to speed the day of the Lord. And Christ has left us here in his church, empowered us by his spirit, given us all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, given us the gifts of one another, given us all types of partnerships we can form around the world, that collectively we as the body of Christ may not only look expectantly for his return and say, even so come, Lord Jesus, but that we might together work in a way that hastens the coming of our Lord. Amen? Amen. Won't you stand with me, please? If you can, or you can sit in your chair. I'm actually going to ask those of us who would like to come, uh, let's come forward and...
and, and kneel before the Lord, but you can sit in your chair or stand or kneel right where you're at. Um, there's already been a lot of prayer that's gone in before this service. And Brother Bill already led us in a wonderful prayer for different missions things and specifically even for Sarah and others. There have been prayer teams that have been praying for people. But if you would like to come forward, I, I'd love to pray with you as I'm going to pray the same for myself. That God would overwhelm us with his presence. And in that, also with his promise. And that we could find a fresh sense of purpose, of being rivers, not reservoirs, being rivers of life-giving water. Not only to those around us, but especially to the nations. And to those who have never heard the gospel. Father, we want to wait on you just for a moment. With a sense of expectancy, knowing that you are here with us. We love your presence. We want your presence. We long for your presence. We thank you for your presence. Father, thank you for all your promises, which are yes and amen. Lord, not just on this mission study, but specifically, especially right now, on this Mission Sunday. Would you speak your promises to us? And may it renew our faith and our vision and our purpose to go forward with greater faith and greater vision to be your channel of blessing, rivers of life-giving water, the nations of the earth. Here we are, Lord. Speak, Lord, we pray. We want to be those that not only expect your return, but hasten that day and speed up that day. So, Father, by your Spirit, would you speak ways that we can be more involved in that? Speak, Lord, for your servants, we are listening. ways to be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. Father, there's some that still have family members and friends that they're praying for. We pray that this will be the year of salvation, the year of jubilee, the year of deliverance, the year of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good as your ways are made known through your people, that your salvation would spread. 
Father, fill my heart to pray for Israel. We pray for peace. Peace in Jerusalem, peace in Israel. We pray for your kingdom ways to be known there more and more. For salvation for the Jewish people and the nations that are represented in Israel. Father, we pray for refugees that are being scattered. For whatever reason, Lord, we pray, would you, the sovereign one, who has set the times and the places that we might seek after you. Father, we pray that throughout the Middle East, we pray that in Iraq and Syria, we pray, Lord, for more Muslims to come to you, more dreams, more visions, more miracles, more revelation, a more outpouring of your spirit, Father, among the Muslim world. We pray for thousands of house churches, Father, to be birthed in Afghanistan. Yes, Father. We agree with the church in China for a, a, a fresh wave of missionaries, a hundred thousand of them, raised up and anointed and empowered by your spirit to be sent out. Thank you, Father. And Father, again, I'm just so overwhelmed with the legacy right here at Tulsa Christian Fellowship. More of you, Father, in this year. More of you in this mission week. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Your increase. The increase of your favor, Lord. Increase and enlarge for your glory and for your honor. Lord of the harvest, raise up more that can be trained and released from this body for your namesake and for your honor. Those that have already been sent out, Lord, sustain them. Lord, we do pray, be merciful to them and keep them and guard them and bless them and cause your face to shine upon them. Make your ways known through them. God, we pray for a greater anointing for your glory and for your honor. We pray for divine appointments and open doors and opportunities for them as they labor in your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come, Jesus. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, may you receive the reward of your suffering. Jesus. Jesus, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You, you, you are worthy, Lord. You are worth it all, Lord. You are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Show us again. More and more ways how we can hasten and speed your return. Yes, Lord. Yes, Father. Yes, Holy Spirit. Fall on us afresh that we might be witnesses. Not only here, but more and more even to the ends of the earth. Yes. 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 Yes, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We expect you to overwhelm us throughout this week. Surprises and divine appointments. Yes, Lord. A fresh anointing. Lord, I pray for those that have the gift of intercession. Lord, you would stir it up even more in these last days. God, you would stir us all up, Lord, for greater prayer and greater intercession for your namesake and for your glory, God. Yes, Lord. Pray that, Lord, I pray against anyone growing weary and doing well. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're going to be do, continue to do all beyond we could ask or think or imagine. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. John already quoted this verse, but let me read it one more time. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful 
are the feet of those who bring good news. As we continue to worship the Lord, as we continue to seek his face, let's just take a moment now to receive one more offering for the expenses of this missions conference. I believe the Lord has been speaking many things to us individually. I'd uh, ask us to consider this thought. Surely the Lord is saying, among other things, that we're not to grow weary in well-doing, that there is a great and massive work still to be done, and uh, that there's no such thing as retirement in the economy of God. And so we're to ask the Lord, as Caleb did, give me a mountain that I can charge. And so let's just uh, go with that uh, encouragement. John, you've been a great blessing. You've spoken as an oracle of God. You've been faithful to the Lord. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for reviewing us, the mis- uh, reviewing with us the missionary heart of God right from Genesis through the, the Psalms and on to the New Testament, that that, in fact, is the calling, the highest calling, to be a part of the missionary enterprise, to reach those who've never yet heard. Lord, help us. Help us to be faithful. Help us, Lord, to continue to do the work you've called us to. Help us to be more fervent in our prayer support. Help us to recognize that we all have a role to play in an ongoing way to reach those that still have not heard. Thank you, Lord, for encouraging us throughout this week in the basic meeting tonight in the meeting on Wednesday as we hear from John once more, and then on Friday as we hear from Mustafa, and then on Sunday again. Lord, help us to to be in prayer throughout these days and to have that heart and that attitude that uh, we would simply say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening so that we might be faithful to do what you've called us to and what you're inspiring us to continue to do for the glory of your name and for the reaching of the nations in Jesus' name. God bless all of you. Be blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed to be an even greater blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.